Am I going to continue the streak of plants that we don't grow? Am I going to continue the streak of getting <laughs> so many questions right? <laughs> you are killing it. I wonder if our guests or if our listeners are playing at home. Like I hope they pause before – like after you give your answer. Like I hope they have an answer picked and they, they're playing to see if they get it right. That would be – I hope so too because it, it is actually really fun. <laughs> at least – well, for someone who, who knows a little – I wouldn't say I'm a, a. I'm definitely not a plant expert, uh, especially when it comes to every branch of plants coming in here. But well, it's fun, kind of racking my brain for all these little weird facts that I've acquired over the years <laughs> to see if I can figure out what this plant is. So the first clue, as we're we're talking about this, is even though it's a plant that we don't grow, you do know this plant. You're okay. familiar with this plant, so we don't grow it. I have a feeling you're going to guess this one because there's one fact that you're going to say, yeah, I know exactly okay. what this plant is. All right. So one, we don't grow it. Two, it's an herbaceous form – a form, really? Herbaceous <laughs> form <coughs> herbaceous form in the dogbane family. Okay. It gets one to three foot tall. Mm-hmm. It does not have a wetland indicator status, but it does boast a USDA hardiness zone ranking of – Four through nine. Okay. That's four, right? Yeah. One more. It's only native to Arkansas and Oklahoma, specifically mountainous regions. Oh, man. I thought you would know it and just from that. you thought I would know yeah, it. Yeah, I thought you would know that. It's – and it's an herbaceous forb. It's an herbaceous forb, yeah. It's only native to – In two states, Arkansas and Oklahoma. Some people say Missouri. That's debatable. Mm-hmm. But it's really, you know, it's in the mountainous region of Arkansas is the main. The oh main gosh, area. I'm. It's probably something more what? obvious that I'm just. If you don't over. guess, you're gonna kill yourself when. Well, you're you're gonna hate yourself when. Yeah. When when you hear what it is. Oh man, I I'm already feeling that way. Um, when you said it was in the dogbane family, the only thing I could think of was dogbane. Uh, so I guess that's gonna have to be my guess because I can't think okay. of anything else. Amsonia hubrichtii. Oh gosh, how did I miss that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that is <laughs> that See, is embarrassing. Like, <laughs> You're listening to a native plant every day with Tom and Fran. All right, welcome back, everyone. I am Fran, and I'm Tom. And today's plant is Amsonia hubrichtii, which is called uh, blue star, but it's also called Hubrix blue star, threadleaf. Blue Star and Arkansas Amsonia. So, as we mentioned, it's only native. You know, this is a plant that we see used all the time. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, it's, it's not on restorations, over. but more residential. But it's it's only really native to two states. Yeah, and that was one of the things when I've looked up this plant in the past. I was really interested to see and, and surprised to see because it is so widespread in the trade and um, a lot, so many native nurseries and uh, conventional nurseries and garden centers sell this plant um, and tout how it's a native plant, but it's really native to such a small, small range. So I'm interested in learning more about it because even though I have it planted in my garden, I don't really know a ton about it other than that it has like three seasons of interest. So, so you know, the the interesting thing about it is even though we see it in the trade qu- – actually, at one point it was the Perennial Plant Association plant of the year, mm-hmm. um, but – I, and I wasn't aware of these rankings, but it does have a G3 rarity ranking globally, which means that only three to 10,000 plants exist 
naturally. Really? Wow. So that also translates to an S3 state rarity ranking mm-hmm. because in the state there's 3,000 to 10,000 plants. So mm-hmm. it's it's a relatively a rare plant globally and and statewide. Yeah, that is is well, pretty rare, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way to say it. So when you're using this in your garden, though, like I know how I use it. How would you recommend that you're supposed to use it? I, you know, I, this is a plant I love personally, and um, it, it can be used so many different ways. It can, you know, it can be a, a standalone specimen. Uh, it can, you can use it in a mass. Per, I prefer it in a mass. Like I, mm-hmm. I have planted it in threes and fives um, because it, it it provides a good foliage mm-hmm. uh, look to it. Um, but it, you can use it as a good border and edging. You know, staying one to three foot tall, you can edge something out with that, uh, and it's even good in a rock garden. So it, it, there, there's a lot of different ways that you can use it on your property. Um, it is for one to three foot tall. It's it's like a dense mass and rounded in mm-hmm. shape. Uh, it is clump forming, and it does get just as tall. You know, if it's one to three foot tall, it's one to three foot wide. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, and what would you say it, it actually looks like? Because I think it has a really unique look. It's not something you see um, I do, very similar things out no, there. No, you know, and although it blooms, you know, it does get uh, – it blooms in April and May uh, like a powdery blue half-inch star-like flower, and they appear in, in terminal clusters in the late spring atop the stems. You know, I don't think about it for its blooms. It's It's got a, a green thread – like a thread-like soft, like wispy foliage mm-hmm. that – it's – I laugh. I always think about um, the movie um, oh, Gladiator mm-hmm. where uh, Maximus is walking through his fields and he's running his hand through the wheat mm-hmm. as he's walking. Like every time I walk by Amsonia, I have to run my hand through it because it's got this soft, wispy feel to it. Yeah. And, and then it, do you turn around to, to your <laughs> wife and say, are you not entertained? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I will next time I do it. So um, – you know, after flowering, it it has a slender, elongated seed pod form uh, that forms. But you know, the what's cool about it is the foliage in the fall turns this bright golden yellow fall mm-hmm. color. So you get this beautiful, you get the the blooms in the spring, you get this beautiful green foliage all summer, and then in the fall it turns bright golden yellow. Like it stands out; you can't miss it. Uh, so, and that's what makes it look good in a mass. Is that when you have this big mm-hmm. mass? Um, it, it's just there. There's so many merits to this plant. Um, is it something that's hard to grow? No, it's actually really easy to grow, and it's it's long lived and it's low maintenance, um, and it doesn't have really any serious insect or disease disease problems. Like it, it can fall victim to like foliar chlorosis, uh, and that's like the yellowing, like where it's a lack mm-hmm. of uh, lack of nutrients, and it, it starts to yellow. But other than that, you know, it, it can take sun or part shade. It will get floppy in shade, and that's that's pretty common for some things that, you know, it it, it gets floppy. But in the shade, the flowers actually last longer, mm-hmm. which I think is interesting. So you'll get a longer bloom yeah. time. You just will get a plant that kind of probably elongates more than it should because mm-hmm. it's stretching for sunlight and then kind of. Yeah, and that's kind of how it looks. My, my The place I have it in is in a. A part shade area and it got a little bit longer it gets a little floppier but it's still because it's in a mass the stems tend to support each other and it becomes this big like greenish yellow blob which is actually really attractive looking yeah and it's you know it's not picky about the soil types that it's put in as long as it's not sitting in water 
mm-hmm. you know, it it's it's okay. And it, it doesn't grow fast as far as like it's like a slowly expanding clump. So it's not going to triple in size every year. It's just gonna slowly that clump will get a little bit bigger. So it's it's manageable. Now I kind of – I really was trying to find something on the root system, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anything. Uh, they said divisions could be tough. You really have to be careful of when mm-hmm. you do it. So um, I've never actually divided that plant. You know, It's it's easy enough to grow from seed, and it's it's found so wild mm-hmm. – like widely in the, the trade that I don't know yeah. that you would have to go that route. And I've found that once it gets established, it just gets a little bigger every year, and you're you're not – I guess if you wanted to move it someplace, it could be difficult. But if you yeah. just want it to take a fill in a space a little bit faster, yeah. I wouldn't worry about that too much. I've really yeah. neglected mine. Now I'm thinking about it. I'm very yeah. sorry for everything I did to you and Sonia who broke the eye. No. That was very rude of me. <laughs> now, what another really cool feature of Amsonia is that it is somewhat rabbit and deer tolerant because of its milky latex sap uh, that it's filled with and that's filled with alkaloids. So it does have – that like white milky latex mm-hmm. sap to it, and it makes sense because uh, dog banes are, are similar to milkweed, yeah. and that's one of the things I noticed about our, our native dog bane in New Jersey. So I was wondering, is I didn't think they were in the same family, but I was wondering if it produced that like milky sap that was was a little bit caustic, I guess. Yeah, don't look at the next clue after that because. I put it in two places by accident. <laughs> that was going to be said. Did you see it? Uh, I don't that's know which okay. one was the next one. All right, one. that's fine. <laughs> All right, I'm 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 just going to cross it out, and we're going to ignore that it exists. So um, – and it does it does have its its pollinator. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was my next question. Is it going to help wildlife in some way, Is it, or is it just for, for humans to look at? No, but, you know, insects enjoy the nectar, especially long-tongued insects uh, because of the – uh, the bloom. So things like carpenter bees and hummingbird moths uh, prefer Amsonia uh, to uh, sip nectar. It does attract butterflies, uh, specifically morning cloak, and uh, it attracts uh, ruby throated hummingbirds uh, like the nectar as well. So it's a great, you know, you're going to get hummingbirds, you're going to get butterfly, you're going to get hummingbird. I always love seeing hummingbird moths. Uh, so you're going to get good pollinators throughout the year. It is the larval host of the swallowtail butterfly as well. Which is interesting. Yeah. And that's one of the things I, I love finding those things out, especially for like black swallowtails in particular. Yeah. Um, because uh, – and I'm, I'm not sure if this is a host for that one, but everyone says, oh, if you want to have a, a host plant for black swallowtails, well, you need dill or you need parsley or you need those kind of uh, – what's the other one? Fennel. Yeah. Well, there's plenty of native plants that are – there's a native insect there's plenty of native plants that are great hosts for that too like i found out zizia aurea was a a host plant for um for black swallowtails and i took all the ones off my parsley and my dill and my fennel and i moved them to my zizia and they didn't kill the zizia like they would have the yeah and eaten all the parsley and and fennel and dill back so it was uh and i wasn't getting rid of the, the caterpillars at the same time so it's always great to find out those those host plants especially when it's something Fairly common, like a, a swallowtail butterfly. Oh, totally. So you know, you have a beautiful plant that has three seasons of interest, mm-hmm. and it's it's attracting pollinators, and there's no serious disease or insect problems. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a winner. Yeah. Like you, you're you're checking all the boxes. So if if you were going to take an invasive out of your property and plant this, you know, I was thinking heavenly bamboo, which mm-hmm. is Nandina domestica. You get that like reds, like a lot of them are dwarfs. Mm-hmm. 
like you can get that fall color, the foliage look, have it stay small um, and give you that three season of interest. So and, and you're eliminating an invasive from yeah. the property. By uh, that's doing awesome. That. Yeah, totally. All right. You, you ready for hit, some? Hit me with some facts. All right. Here we go. So I'm giving you five facts, one of which is not true. I'm not good. You've I've only stumped you once. I with this more than that. No, in the I've missed I've messed up the plant in the beginning more right. than I've messed up. Yeah, the for but the end I've only stumped you once. So let's see if I can get you. Surprisingly, Amsonia hubrichii boasts a salinity tolerance of three parts per thousand. Okay, that's surprising. Um, caution should be used when cutting back, as the milky white sap contained within can cause skin irritation. Um, the genus name honors 18th century Virginian physician Dr. Charles Amson. The specific epithet honors Mr. Leslie Hubricht, who lived from 1908 to 2005. Uh, he was an American biologist who first discovered it growing in the wild in 1942 while working with the Missouri Botanical Garden. And speaking of the Missouri Botanical Garden, they actually list one of the uses of this plant as a rain garden plant. Hmm. So I... Those are all very believable. They're all very believable. There's two that stick out to me as being plausible, but they kind of give me a little pause. The first being that it takes salinity of three parts per thousand. Yeah. We're talking the mountains here. There's not a lot of salt. (laughs) No, but we did find out Sweet Flag, Mm -hmm. uh, there's salt flats in Nebraska, which we weren't aware of, and Acris is something that... And Our then sweet flag has salinity. The uh, the last one with the 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 Missouri Botanical Garden. What was that fact again? That they they list one of the uses of this plant as a rain garden plant. And yeah, that it's a rain garden plant because you're saying there's no wetland indicator status, which would and it's found in the mountain. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to be. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that one. With that one. Oh. <laughs> It was actually the salt tolerance oh, one. Gosh. I threw that one I in there. Like, I was actually kind uh, of shocked because considering it's found in a mountainous region mm-hmm. and and it has no wetland indicator status, but considering it's the Missouri Botanical yeah. Gardens and it was their organization who founded it, yeah. who found it. And it, to me, it was kind of amazing that it wasn't discovered until 1942. Yeah, that wasn't that, that is, long ago. But I guess if it's that rare, yeah. it, it probably wasn't always – uh, as quite as rare, but I'd imagine it was probably it grew in a really specific condition. Yeah, uh, in nature, so which typically doesn't mean that it's not a, a plant that can really thrive in other conditions. It just means that it only can, naturally occurs. Yeah. It doesn't other things outcompete it in yes. better conditions. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. So it, that's its little niche. So it could grow in all these other conditions, but potentially, well, obviously, and you're seeing it in gardens. Yeah. It's grown in all these better conditions, but it gets outcompeted in nature yes. when it's in better conditions. So it found that little little spot where it can thrive and other things really can't. So no, that's that's really interesting. I was I knew it was the salinity, but I'm like, ah I got you. What are the chances <laughs> there's two facts that relate to the Missouri Botanical Garden here? So all right. All right. So would you put it in your yard? Well, seeing as I already have it in my yard, I would say yes, but actually when I first got it um, was really when I started getting into native plants in my own garden. And it was something that everyone's like, oh, this is a native plant you have to have. After I'd bought it, 
Then I found out, oh, it's not actually native here. And it gave me a little pause. I was a little yeah. trying to only plant things that were native uh, directly to our area, like the Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. And um, eventually I'm going to go, oh, I have them. I don't, my garden doesn't look that great. And, and it's kind of, it needs more plants. So I put them in there after it, but it took me, they sat in a quart pot for a year plus after I bought them. And, um, and until I planted them and it took a, a after that, it, I was surprised they didn't die in the quart pot because I didn't water them. I didn't do anything, but then they took a year to really establish. But then this is the third year they've been in there. They really took off this. It took awesome. that third year. They really filled out and, and looked awesome. I, I had, when I lived in Delaware in the nineties, I had them planted on my property. Uh, and I love them. It was one of my favorite plants that I had on the, the property. And I actually have a spot picked out for my current property um, in southern New Jersey. So we have a uh, a tree stump in the backyard that had been planted, the invasive orange tiger lilies around mm-hmm. it. So we're going to remove the tiger lilies. We're going to take out an invasive, and we're going to put Amsonia around the, the tree trunk. Very cool. Just to yeah. get – you know, and on top of the tree trunk, we have a little bird bath. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of uh, – it will give a nice little uh, like splash of color yeah, in the middle of the awesome. property. That's awesome. That sounds yeah. really cool. Yeah. So I we would both 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 plant it. I think. Yeah. All right. Awesome. So let's see. We got we have one more this week. Well, one. Yeah. More. One more. One this more week. this week. This and is the first time I've been double stumped. Wow. Ooh. Beware tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. See. See you. See you tomorrow, everyone. Keep it native. Thank you for listening to A Native Plant Every Day with Tom and Fran. Hey everyone, this is Fran. And Tom. And we just wanted to give you a quick reminder to tune in every Friday to our other podcast, Native Plants Healthy Planet. Yeah, so on Native Plants Healthy Planet, we dive into all different kinds of subjects revolving around native plants and our ecology and having a healthy planet. We have guests from uh, from colleges, from other podcasts, from different nonprofits we work with, even authors. It's a really good time. We hope you join us over there. Make sure you tune in, and until then, keep it native.